I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome back to the Brandy's Female Podcast. Robin Wishart, a Vancouver-based personal injury lawyer, has been a force for change in the legal industry since 2001. At Wishart Brain and Spine Law LLP, Robin tackles complex injury and insurance cases, and she challenges the industry's status quo at the same time. Robin has leveraged her early experiences, including representing insurers like Lloyds of London, to advocate for her clients with a blend of tenacity and innovative legal strategies. Her work, especially in applying neuroscience to legal strategy, sets her apart and has made her a sought-after speaker and educator, even leading workshops at Harvard University's Ultimate Trial College, a first for a Canadian. More than her legal achievements, Robin is committed to creating a more inclusive and supportive workplace for women lawyers. Her firm is recognized for offering opportunities and fostering a more favorable culture for women than traditional law firms. This approach enriches the firm and sets a new standard for the legal profession, putting emphasis on the importance of diversity and inclusivity in creating a successful and compassionate legal practice, something her clients appreciate as well. Robin's holistic approach to law underscores the importance of addressing clients' legal and well-being needs, ensuring they focus on living full lives beyond their claims. Her leadership in promoting inclusivity and opportunities for women in law marks her as not just a legal advocate, but a pioneering figure in shaping a more equitable legal landscape. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Bank Group Women in Enterprise. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through its program of educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandiesfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help you. Robin, welcome to The Brand is Female. I'm so glad you could join me today. Thank you for inviting me to speak. I like to start these conversations by kind of asking you to go down memory lane a little bit. And I want to know, growing up, what kind of career were you imagining yourself doing as a, as a grown-up? What, kind of, what kind of profession uh, were you dreaming of back then? And is it at all connected to what you're actually doing today? You know, it's, it's an excellent question and an interesting one for me because I grew up at the age of four wanting to be a lawyer. And wow. where I got that idea from, I don't know, but it was sort of my dream and my singular focus for my really my entire life. And while it morphed and changed, it was something that I had set my future hopes on becoming. Hmm. And I think that's made my journey through law as a female a lot easier because it's felt more like who I am, not what I do. Mm -hmm. Mm, Interesting. So the path was pretty clear for you that you, it was, you applied to law school and kind of went down that path in school very, very clearly without any doubts, I assume. It's uh, very competitive to go to law school. Mm -hmm. And so it required a lot of early dedication. Mm -hmm. I'm not so certain that most people need nor um, want to take that that type of a journey, Um, but it was very, um, it was very purposeful and very directed for me in my life. I have this sense of justice Mm -hmm. and it sort of carried my be a voice and an educator, not a judge mentality that I use in my practice, which is we're given this amazing opportunity if we can get into law school to learn a language and learn a way 
to express our rights mm-hmm. and to really, we have this obligation, I feel, as um, being privileged to go to law school to help educate. It's a very, law is a very intimidating and it's a very nerve-wracking thing for someone to have to be thrown into. Mm-hmm. And I really take the role of educator seriously so that when I when someone leaves my life after needing a legal service, they fully understood the process that they were sort mm-hmm. of lopped into. Mm-hmm. Um, most people who use legal services really don't want to have a lawyer in their life. Right. <laughs> I take no offense to the fact that I'm not always, you know, the first person at the top of a Christmas party list. (laughs) Lawyers are just, you know, that's sort of the the joke we carry with us. But Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And you've made reference to, you know, being a woman in law. Um, Is that something that you felt, you know, did you feel any sort of bias? I mean, law is still... um, I would say male dominated in the higher echelons, uh, although I think that is slowly changing. Um, did you feel a bias at any point, you know, that had to do with your gender, whether in school at the start of your career, or later in your career? Yes, it's, um, it's hard to really put a fingerprint on gender and law. When we go to law school, it's 50-50. There, mm-hmm. I've been practicing for over 20 years. And I've seen the the complement of law students change. It was very much originally 50-50 men, women with less ethnicity and diversity in terms of LGBTQ, these Mm -hmm. types of things, or at least less uh, openly out. Mm -hmm. I was a law student in the 90s. And so now we look at law students in this this generation. And it's a very different uh, compliment. But what I don't think has ever changed is the demands of law and the demands of family with law. Mm -hmm. And so it's really difficult to have a practice, especially I'm a trial lawyer, so I go to court. There's lots of different types of lawyers. Not every lawyer goes into a courtroom. Mm -hmm. But specifically, if you're a female trial lawyer, there's a lot of uh, pressures, emotional pressures, family pressures, physical pressures. You just have to show up to work every day. Mm -hmm. And so I think that becomes a very competitive environment. Mm -hmm. And when you're in a competitive environment, there's a power play pull. And so it's sometimes it's hard to really identify, is it gender that's the issue or Mm -hmm. is it a competitive environment? It's competitive anyway, no matter who you are. Yeah, I'm sure that my male associate lawyers would perhaps have a different story of what that competitive competitive environment meant to them. And I work really hard with my uh, law firm, which is all women lawyers. Ooh, um, amazing. Yeah, to really try not to go too far mentally down the identification of gender, but mm-hmm. rather that this is a competitive environment and people in a competitive environment will want to compete with you mm-hmm. and look for what they might perceive as a weakness. Right. So we have to um, we have to sort of stand up to that. Mm-hmm. 
I struggle a little bit sometimes, though, is the networking in the male legal community that is often lacking in the female community. Mm-hmm. 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 So, for example, and I mean, this is in every business, but the, you know, golfing or cycling yeah. amongst the male associates where the female associates either for, you know, they're not physically interested in these types of activities or they've got family commitments on mm-hmm. the and that for them, their priority is not. So there's this loss of networking mm-hmm. in a competitive environment that still has a lot of male domination. And I think mm-hmm. largely male dominated because of the lifestyle that law offers. Right. And so that was really the whole genesis of me starting Wishart Brain and Spine Law, mm-hmm. which was, no, we have a lot to offer. Our brains sometimes think differently uh, with gender, not always. I, I don't want to kind of put that in, a, in a, a barrel, but there are some things that, um, you know, there's some things that some of the lawyers who work with me have the ability to really push on certain things. And so um, we work to strengths and compliments for each of the individuals in the law firm. Mm-hmm. I... I um, I started my law firm 10 years ago this year and it was, thank you. It was, it's really one of its only kind in British Columbia because we are a trial law firm Mm -hmm. and a female trial law firm and a plaintiff's female trial law firm. And there are, and have been um, sole practitioner female lawyers in British Columbia. And there's a defense firm, which is, a female defense firm, but really to have more than one lawyer and have an association of employment for women with a real focus on flexibility and accountability, Mm -hmm. that's really not common in my profession and Mm. certainly in my province. And I'm really proud of that. Congratulations for what you've built. That that is very impressive. I want to go back because you brought up something really interesting around the way that, you know, women network differently than men and often find themselves at a disadvantage because they're not out golfing. As you said, they might not be interested. They might not have the time commitment. Um, And often we lose out on these organic networks that, you know, men have a lot of ease um, accessing and creating. And for women, often our networking has to be a lot more uh, intentional. Um, And then we're dealing, as you've brought up with, you know, additional responsibilities around household, children, whatever it is. Um, And it can, it can hinder or it can, it can kind of limit some of our career advancement opportunities uh, because we're not part of these informal groups. Um, How can we, how have you kind of compensated for that in in your career and what do you find is effective networking in your case such an amazing question uh and i think that networking and the ease of social networking is growing with mm-hmm. giving business opportunities to women and showing women that they have the ability to open up businesses and run businesses anecdotally mm-hmm. i've observed Um, and and I hope not stereotypically, I don't, that's not my intention, just Mm -hmm. anecdotally, what I have observed is this lack of mentorship. 
there's a lack of female mentorship in the business community to understand what is a good question to ask and why is it a good question to ask. And having confidence, having confidence in a workplace environment, mm -hmm. which then opens up naturally dialogue and networking. Mm -hmm. And that's something we've been really committed with. And that is young women coming into an office situation for the first time and asking them to be present in their body and in their voice, not standing outside of a door waiting for to be recognized, knock on the door. You have something to say, your presence is important, knock. And that might seem really um, basic and simple, but in a business and you're, you've never had a mentor, maybe you're, you're like, I definitely came from an era where mums were at home. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was taught how to look after a home and I was taught how to communicate in that realm. And I'm grateful for that, what it has brought me. But I didn't get exposed to the bluntness sometimes of some of the things men will say and do with respect yeah. to business. They're not afraid to ask, what's my overhead? They're not afraid to ask, what are you allocating for me in the business as my nut? that I need to meet in order to prove to you that I'm entitled to a raise. Mm -hmm. Whereas I was taught by my mom to work hard and you will be recognized for your hard work. Yeah. Now that I own a business, I know that that isn't what will happen mm -hmm. because the interests in the business are to get as much as you can from people who help you for as little. And so part of what we do at um, my firm is to empower women on what what you need to say and what you need to bring to a business to get a raise because income parity is is our all of our responsibility mm -hmm. and if we don't know what our nut is and we don't know what we're, our expectation is from the business how can we go in and walk in and demand more value what we're doing mm -hmm. absolutely if you, if you know, and I say to my team, like, if you're bringing something to the table that's not within your job description, bring it to my attention that this is creating value and value is worth something to the business. And if you're working at a business as a young woman and ask these types of questions, you're going to catch their ear and their attention. And what I think the fear is a lot is that, well, if I ask that question, they won't give me the answer. And if they, if, if they, if they don't give me the answer, they're going to view me as a threat. And then I'm going to have a target on my back. And, and I, I just really encourage the people that work with me to understand that if a business doesn't see that or doesn't know what your nut is or doesn't see that you're contributing to the, the bigger goal of the business, you're working at the wrong place. Stop mm. wasting time you know Absolutely. we have full equity transparency so what that means is there's a quarterly business meeting where we track the ins and the outs the overhead we're able to see where we're if we're spending more money if we're making more money or if we're losing money and every business has a different economic algorithm mm -hmm. but if the business doesn't have an economic algorithm you need to find another business to put your effort into or mm -hmm. start your own business, mm -hmm. put mm -hmm. your effort into. And, and that's really, you know, the networking that we're working on here in British Columbia is uh, 
a, a woman named Kelly Mann, and she was um, in commercial mortgages, residential mortgages here in, in British Columbia, and she opened up her own mortgage brokerage. And she has really been a champion of networking women uh, who have businesses and not in mortgaging and not in law, and not in fashion and not in flowers or whatever those, mm-hmm. Are. Mm-hmm. but really it's been like whatever your business interest is, you know, and I think as women, we have really, especially women in business who've started a business, we have an obligation to rise and raise up everyone around us, male mm-hmm. or female to see opportunity. I have a, a paralegal who's been with me for over 12 years and um, she wanted to become a notary. She's a mom of a six-year-old. She has to go through a program, a very intensive program to, to become a notary, to become a professional. And so we worked out a business plan together for her as to how she was going to be able to do it all, be a mom continue with her work at the firm and become a notary and not have her head pop off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, and she has just accomplished that goal. And then through the networking organization of women, we're now helping her start her own business. And the payback is that she will bring another person who wants to start a business and raise them up. Okay. Okay. And, and that is, that's the goal. It's mm-hmm. like not uh, consumptive. We're not mm-hmm. trying to mm-hmm. consume. We're trying to, to grow. Mm-hmm. And support and grow. Support and grow. And through support and grow, what you get is a new generation of women. And the concept of incomparity is less of a mountain to climb. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. you know why you might not be getting paid fairly. And you understand what's your economic algorithm? What are you assigning to me as part of my net? What does financial success look like for me in this position? And how are we going to mark me reaching those goals, me reaching that financial success? And if you just took those questions into an interview or took those questions into Mm -hmm. business, if the ears of the business owner are not wide open, you need, like I said before, to find another place that would honor those types of important questions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, it suits the goal of the business. So we, we look away from, you know, we look away from gender. We look away from, um, we look away from what's fair. Mm-hmm. And we look towards what's the business model? What's the business operation? Depersonalize it. And then work within that arena mm-hmm. and you'll just take off. Smart. I, it, it's, it's so important. Are you ready to be inspired and connected? I'm really excited to share that we have officially launched the Brand is Female Conversation Series. Come and join us for a monthly conference that's changing the game in Montreal, Vancouver, and Toronto. Engage with fellow women thought leaders, innovators, and visionaries. Get ready for insightful discussions and powerful networking opportunities presented by TD Women in Enterprise. Visit our website, go to the events section, and secure your spot today. I can't wait to meet you in person. Um, I think that's 
well, what what you're describing is you know fantastic, and it's 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 really I think the type of inclusive leadership that more companies should be governed by and should be you know making decisions uh, uh, based on on similar philosophies. Um, it's not the norm today, I think, especially um, in the law industry. What's the feedback from the market when you started implementing you know this this way of doing business and uh, when you started being outspoken and vocal about, you know, being a, a, a female-led and female-focused uh, law firm, um, how did the market react? And is it something that you feel is an advantage for your firm at this point? I do. And, and I think where I can accurately pinpoint the market reaction is our staff retention mm. and our ability to attract quality legal help. So a law firm that does um, litigation work, we're very dependent upon paralegals and legal assistants. Gotcha. And having people who are reliable, competent problem solvers uh, and keeping, keeping staff engaged and wanting to be part of the team that has been one of our greatest accomplishments. Hmm. And we use accountability with flexibility. So COVID was a heavy, heavy hit to my business. Mm-hmm. Working mm-hmm. from home as trial lawyers and not having courts open. It was very difficult. Um, British Columbia housing market is very bad. Most people do not have space to work from home. And it wasn't just space for you to work from home. It was space for your partner to work from home. Or- right space for your children to, to go to school and work from home. And and it was really difficult. And when we asked people to come back into the office, there was a lot of resistance mm-hmm. to changing to come back into work. Uh, we could not sustain a model where everyone was working from home because of the collaborative nature of our work. Right. And so what we did to pivot from COVID and to keep staff and to maintain sort of healthy life balance was accountability with flexibility. Hmm. So we need people to come in and communicate and collaborate. But if you had to, to go to a, a, a school play or you had to go to a doctor's appointment or you needed to go to the bank, that was honored. That mm-hmm. is honored. And that flexibility is provided. And, and, with that trust comes professionalism. Mm-hmm. So where what I think we have gained in return, the transparency and the honesty has been paid back, honored with reliability and a team of people. Like we have a very important model at our office, which is we don't finger point or blame, we problem solve. Mm-hmm. I love that. If there's an error, then it's not about who made the error. Mm-hmm. It's about how, how do we figure it out. Where is it in our scheme? Where is it in our policies where we have a gap that's mm-hmm. created the error? Again, going back to Amy Ng, um, just an amazing person. And I, I know we'll have a great future as a notary. Um, we had a lunch and learn. So that's an afternoon where we order in lunch and we sit and we talk about ideas. And she talked to us all about the concept of 
this is a science project and we're all teammates on the science project. Mm -hmm. And, <laughs> and the goal is that we're going to raise a frog and that means <laughs> everybody's going to have a job in raising this frog. And at the end of the day, if our parents come to our science fair and your frog is dead because <laughs> you didn't do your job, <laughs> nobody cares who didn't do their part of the job. Yeah. The only thing we worry about is that the frog is the frog's dead. Be <laughs> so something, say something and help raise a healthy frog. Mm. And it's shifted the metaphor in our office for error mm. as knock on the door, tell Robin, the frog has a really bad cold and <laughs> we have a giggle or the frog's limping or the frog is literally upside down. Right. And it, 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 it's shifted our metaphor of error. Love that. And, yeah. and again, I think that goes, I mean, you're the proofs in the pudding because you're talking about improved employee retention, employee loyalty, uh, productivity is, is likely up as a result. Um, so the, you know, results really demonstrate that, um, this, this philosophy is paying off. Um, how do you, as, as a business leader, um, and this is, I'm sure something that not only staff really appreciate, but clients also benefit from. Um, how do you make sure to spread the word in terms of, you know, your, your business approach? Because you, you could be, you know, you could be out there just talking about how great a lawyer you are and how many, you know, trials you've won, um, especially in personal injury law. Um, but I know that it's important to you to talk about this approach to doing business. Um, so what, what works well for you in terms of kind of getting the word out, spreading the word, and ultimately making sure that potential clients also hear about this uh, uh, different way of doing business? Luckily, being a trial lawyer, I have the gift of the gab. <laughs> um, Goes hand I, in hand. A little bit. I'm pretty vocal about it. Mm -hmm. And so one way we've gotten out into our community is we're offering high school students an opportunity to come and shadow and oh, wow. um, speaking at high schools, letting, um, letting young people know when they first enter into the workforce, starting early. Uh, and working with those who are already in the position. There's Women's Trial Lawyers Association, to which I belong, both in Canada and the United States. And I do work in the United States a lot with an organization called the American Association for Justice. So I was one of the first Canadians ever to be put on the National College of Advocacy in the United States, which sets the CLE, mm -hmm. a large portion of the CLE curriculum, Um, and so th there's a large organization of lawyers in the United States, and our mandate is to drive education, civil um, advocacy forward. Oh, wow. And so through that, I've had a lot of opportunity to speak um, for the International Trialers Association, for the American Association for Justice, and really it's dialoguing and sharing. Mm -hmm. But I think more importantly, the principles that our firm are trying to bring forward you it doesn't matter if you're a lawyer it doesn't matter if you my, my husband always says law is a widget is a widget is a widget mm -hmm. you know your business is isn't special because it's law it's mm -hmm. a business and it needs to be run like a business right and if if i have a crew of people that there's a mutual respect and liability 
and reliability, I can do my job. Mm -hmm. And so we separated the lawyer, me, from working directly with the legal team. Mm -hmm. So there's an intermediary between mm -hmm. myself. Amy is the inter intermediary between myself and the legal team mm -hmm. so that they have um, several channels to voice their concerns rather than it being directly to me in mm -hmm. a position of perceived power. Mm -hmm. Separated that and moved it to... Um, so just to give a better example, what we have is a whiteboard. A whiteboard is where we put forward obstacles and um, tasks. Tasks turn into obstacles and then obstacles are... Um, dialogued in a 10-minute meeting Mondays and Wednesdays. Mm -hmm. Then there's an individual one-on-one -on -one every Tuesday where people have the opportunity to present concerns, to talk about workflow, to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to voice. We don't want the pot to bubble up and over. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We're proactively addressing issues and concerns. Mm -hmm. And it, if, if you do it like 10 minutes twice a week you don't have to do it for an hour a day in a month when yeah. the pot has bubbled over mm -hmm. so there's oh we 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 don't want to put peas under the mattress we don't want people mm -hmm. to feel like they don't have a voice or an opportunity to provide for ideas and change and so these tiny little things knowing the economic mm -hmm. algorithm knowing the questions to ask giving opportunity for flexibility and accountability, and then putting your money where your mouth is on flexibility and accountability, which is creating a line of communication mm -hmm. for everyone on the team to discuss, you know, tasks, obstacles, and then, of course, on one side of the board, completion. Mm -hmm. And we want to see those stickies move off the whiteboard. Right. And want that opportunity to go into a room and close the door for five minutes and say, I'm struggling at home, or I'm having trouble with my workload, or um, note things are great, everything is working well, and off we go. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I bet that makes such a, a huge difference in terms of employee morale and just their, you know, their commitment to the organization's success as a whole because of, of this transparency um, they, they have access to. Um, what is something you're hoping to achieve? What's next in terms of the business? Because it sounds like you've already built this amazing internal culture. You're promoting this culture and this way of doing business externally as well. You have a thriving, um, you know, client offering and, and, and client base. What are objectives that you've set for yourself for, you know, the next, the next couple of years? I wish I was about to say retirement, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's not that, um, we're actually shifting into starting a family law practice. Oh, wow. Okay. And the reason for that is there's been um, changes to the motor vehicle laws here in British Columbia. And what that's going to mean for women lawyers is that it's going to become very difficult to find work mm -hmm. because personal injury is often driven by motor vehicle crashes and slips and falls and things of this nature. Right. The other side of law is corporate. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult um, still 
for females to break into the corporate structure mm -hmm. because it's still predominantly corporations are still predominantly male. Yeah. And so that's a real problem for the downstream ability for for female lawyers to find articles which mm -hmm. you have to have for one year in order to become a full-fledged lawyer. So the idea that we're bringing forward now is we want to have the opportunity to have female or male lawyers who's ever interested practicing family law in a new way, mm -hmm. which is rather than working and getting paid a salary, working and getting paid your profits. So creating and creating um, opportunity for um, lawyers to run businesses in uh, in a sort of an umbrella environment. Mm -hmm. So the administration is provided, the computer software is provided, and you as the lawyer are now mm. a business profit center. Oh, wow. Smart. So starting women or men who want to learn about operating a business by rather than making them an associate or an employee, turning them into a business. Mm -hmm. And that's got challenges because not everybody's interested in operating mm -hmm. or owning a business. Exactly. And being an employee is very different than owning a business. Absolutely. And so, so it's, it's going to be attracting those people who have mm -hmm. that in their future mind. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. Very I never smart. really, I never wanted to open my own law firm. That was not <laughs> I didn't, I, I wanted to be the perfect employee who became mm. a partner and who went to work. Um, but there was a gap. Mm. There was a gap when I became of age to become a partner for, for women to be mm. part of business. It was, you know, back in the, in the 90s and 2000s, everyone was worried I was going to have a baby. <laughs> uh, like I'll just be honest. I'm. It was, I'm. La it's not funny. I'm laughing. But. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it. It. It was. You know, when you're a trial lawyer, you mm. have to be there, and mm. and um, that was still very much a thing. Mm -hmm. And so, if I wanted to be a business owner, there was only one way that was going to happen, and it was if I started my own business. Mm. So, like it or not, <laughs> I got. I got. I had to make that decision that if I wanted to advance, that this was something I was going to have to do. And I've just fully embraced it. Mm -hmm. yeah, you definitely have. It's the greatest gift I ever got. And this, you know, perfect segue, because the last question I want to ask you is, um, what would be your top two pieces of advice for a woman in, you know, law or, or another liberal profession who is wondering about what works better um, you know, being an employee, going down the partner's track in, in, in a firm uh, or someone who is considering going out on their own and launching their business. So if they are considering launching their business, what would be your top two pieces of advice for them? Don't let fear hold you back. Mm -hmm. If you, you can fail at owning a business and always go back to becoming an employee. So true. true. don't be afraid of failure. Embrace the opportunity to be in control of your economic future. Mm -hmm. And don't have, you don't have to have everything in place. Mm -hmm. All you have to have is work ethic and a belief that your work ethic will attract opportunity. Mm -hmm. And it will. Mm -hmm. 
The biggest fear I had when I left was, will I ever get another client sign up with me? And when I went out on my own, people came out of the woodwork to support me. Mm-hmm. I had n- didn't expect it. And it was mm. so amazingly gratifying. And the second thing is be on top of your economic algorithm. Yeah. You need to know your ins and your outs. You need to know your taxes. You need to know your obligations. Do not pay yourself first. Pay your company first. Mm-hmm. Find a way to get that company on its feet and strong. And you will reap the benefits and the rewards. It's a sacrifice mm. to open up your own business, but it's one that off in spades the opportunities that will present itself as being a business owner are very rewarding Mm -hmm. but it comes with sacrifice it does yeah well said yeah well thank you for that i think that's and and i think that advice benefits you know any any woman in business uh, not just in law or, or similar professions congratulations on what you've built i think you should be teaching other business owners about inclusive leadership and, uh, you know, this great way of being focused on um, transparency with employees and really making them be part of the, the organization's success the way you are. Uh, and I love, obviously, the, the focus and dedication to supporting and mentoring uh, generations of women in law. Um, thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing what's next, the next chapter of your business. So we'll have to do a follow-up. And thank you so much for sharing your insights today. Thank you. It was a pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much for listening to the Brandis Female Podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you to TD Women and Enterprise for their support of The Brand is Female. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com to learn more.